um, if you don't have a lifestyle um, connection with with you know the audience on Pinterest, then I would say don't don't take part. DigitalMarketingRadio.com. The big interview with David Bain. Can social media really be done for you, or do you have to retain control over your own voice? How do you use Instagram and Pinterest as marketing channels? And why are some businesses using Squarespace instead of WordPress? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask my special guest today, Jen DePaula. Jen, welcome to DMR. Hello, thank you for having me. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, well, Jen's the co-founder of Mixtus Media, a Nashville-based social media and content marketing firm that specialises in serving authors and book publishers. So, Jen, I'm interested. Um, why did you actually end up focusing on the publishing industry in terms of where you offer your services? Well, we initially started, I got my career um, start off in the music industry uh, back in 2000, and we... Uh, 2000 was really kind of a turning point for the music industry um, in turning into a more digital focused industry. Um, I think they clawed and, you know, <laughs> heaved their way up the hill of <laughs> digital publishing. And, and it, it kind of, you know, it, it seems like it's still going on just that battle of physical con- content, which is the CD and, you know, just other items that musicians sell to the digital uh, frontier. And so we really, um, for the first 10 years of my career, you know, we really were going through, through with musicians, how they best market their content, uh, their, their music to in a, you know, a digital form. And in just the, the struggles and um, the lessons learned through that, um, we, we started noticing that, you know, our authors are going through much of the same thing. And over the last few years, you know, just with Kindle coming along and the Nook and, and all these other digital devices for people to consume books, they were going through many of the same uh, struggles that musicians were going through even, you know, five years ago. And so through our experience with working with musicians, and obviously, you know, the book world and the music world are different beasts, but they serve an audience that's consuming their product digitally. And so it's really, um, it's been an education, not only for publishers, but also for authors as well, because they aren't used to having to um, market themselves. They aren't used to um, having avenues uh, such as social media and, you know, blogs and other um, digital ways to connect with people. Usually they just had to hand off their manuscript to a publisher and that was that. Um, But now more of the responsibility in marketing is on the author's shoulders and um, seeing that need and having our experience working with musicians going through that, you know, five, you know, five to 10 years ago, um, we really decided to hone in our expertise on helping and empowering and educating authors on how to best use uh, the digital resources that are available, you know, through social media and through building a, a great website and blog and, and other ways to connect with people online. Okay, so um, yeah, it's certainly great having a niche because um, I've worked in SEO quite a bit in the past and um, mm-hmm. SEO is quite similar to social in that um, 
it's 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 fairly generalist and um if you can i suppose market your services as being specific for and having experience with a certain industry sector then that's certainly going to go to appeal to your target market a lot more it's it's funny you mentioning um, the music industry in the year 2000 as well actually because um, i remember just recently watching a documentary about napster (laughs) (laughs) i take it from that that you remember napster when it was uh, first oh yes yes (laughs) um you know it's funny thinking back to even even 2000, you know, even though it's nearly 15 years ago, um, <laughs> when I first got started, we were still using a JPEG wasn't even in our vocabulary back mm. then, you know, and we were still using slides and uh, to get visual materials out. And, you know, it was it it seemed like such a shock to the, the music industry to have this thing come out called Napster that it was giving people, you know, free access to to their music and and it was I remember it was just this it was like a bunch of chickens running around with their head cut <laughs> off you know they had no clue how to react to it and you know I one of my bosses at one of the record labels that um, I worked at he he was the president of the company and he said you know we really should meaning we meaning the music industry should have thought of Napster that is something that we should have been looking ahead at because everything was pointing towards digital and yeah. um, the fact that they were being that the music industry was being reactive to this made them put their defenses up you know and they started focusing on the wrong blaming the wrong people they started suing you know fans of music that were downloading you know these things and granted it was illegal but you know it was like they were they were focusing on the wrong um aspect of the problem the problem was was that people were consuming their product in a different way and instead of trying to find a way to work with that they fought against it and um even just Listening to an interview a couple weeks ago, I read an interview with Kevin Spacey, and they were talking about um, TV and why was House of Cards, you know, the the uh, Netflix mm. uh, uh, original TV series, why was that being, why was that so, why is that so successful? And um, he said, because we are doing what the music industry neglected to do however many years ago, and that was... Um, give them what they want when they want it at a reasonable price. So looking even at the music industry and the book, the book world now, the the book publishing world is fighting against um, Amazon and, you know, just this whole, the publishing, you know, wanting a bigger, you know, wanting to charge more and, you know, Amazon saying, no, you know, we, we want to charge less. And, you know, just this, this huge battle going on instead of, you know, fighting it, you know, finding a nice balance. It's not an easy fix by any means. I don't want it to sound like that's what I'm saying, but it's just like, let's learn the lessons that we have from the past and not keep fighting um, up against what obviously isn't working. Let's try to find a way to give consumers what they want at a reasonable price when they want it. Absolutely. And of course, digital music um, really first came to the fore probably with CDs, um, and that was really in the early 80s. So the music industry had 15 years to yeah. <laughs> to think, <laughs> well, people can make copies that are essentially the same quality as the original here, so they could actually 
save it in other formats. But um, I guess um, they didn't put two and two together. And yeah, um, apparently not. <laughs> and that, 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 and that, um, the subsequent launch of services like Napster probably made it a lot easier for someone like Steve Jobs to come in and um, bring the iPod in and get um, big music moguls to, to say yes, to agree to distribute their content directly to him. Perhaps if Napster hadn't existed, they wouldn't have been so willing to actually agree to, to sign up with Apple. That's a, a very, very good point. Because, you know, it, uh, my husband's a huge Apple Steve Jobs fan. And, you know, just even looking back at just his whole mentality of looking ahead and, you know, the the iPod, pro- I mean, that took many years to develop and to create. And so I'm really curious, you know, like if he had something in his head thinking, okay, how can we uh, provide a, a, a device that gives, you know, consumers digital music, you know, thinking that way. But, you know, Napster just kind of gave it that kick in the pants that it needed and showed, okay, there are people that want this. This is how people are consuming music. And, you know, I think you're you're absolutely right that it, it they definitely go hand in hand. Okay. And so in terms of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, obviously you're, you're offering social media services to publishers as well as other digital marketing services. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I understand you're also... Um, for some clients, um, actually providing the service for them. Does that mean you're actually publishing posts on their behalf? Yes, um, there are. We have a handful of clients that we uh, we create a like a the way that we kind of lay everything out is is we have a. Uh, a meeting at first to kind of understand the voice of the client. They've either um, like some of our clients have day-to-day jobs that um, consume all their time, but they also are, they they write books on the side and they still want to continue to, to um, publish books and, and stuff like that. And so they are financially able to hand that off. Now, I, I don't always suggest that to clients because I do think that it's important that um, authors connect with their audience and that they have that personal connection with them and that they understand what their what their audience wants but that is something that we do offer um, we, we do a, a monthly schedule of sorts so the uh, our clients know exactly what we're posting we don't post something on a whim and and so they're always aware of what we're posting we interact and, and try to grow their audience and connect them with key influencers and other people that will help market their their book Okay, and do you think it's possible to grow social accounts just as quickly and effectively um, when you're doing this on behalf of um, someone else? Or do you think ideally really to make it as successful as it can be, it does have to be the person individually that's doing it? I think it's, uh, that's a really good question. I've never been asked that one before. (laughs) Um, I think that it's really, um, if an author, or in our case, an author, or if someone knows exactly who their audience is and you have to be it's something that does take dedication and time and i think a lot of people just want those um they they expect to see uh results right away you know they they think oh if we are posting every day if we're connecting with our fans and you know that they'll see results right away and that's not always the case and i know a lot of people get discouraged and and um social media really is about relationships and it's about um making those connections and sometimes it's hard for 
for people to understand that. And I think that uh, a lot of it's that some authors get it, and then some don't. And it does take some time to kind of readjust your way of thinking. A lot of people go into marketing mode on social media, and they keep posting about, you know, their their book and go buy my book or go, go visit my blog, go do this, go do that. And they aren't engaging in conversations. And that's really the key to social media. Um, I do think that there are some people who understand how to communicate with their audience and others who don't. The people that we manage their their day-to-day um, social media outlets have, <clears throat> normally they do have a, a presence already that they've kind of had a, a lull or they've kind of hit a wall. And we, you know, several of our clients, we kind of come in and help them reestablish that connection. We kind of come in and aid them and help them in creating an overall uh, message, an overall voice, an overall style in their posts and create that connection. Um, and then others, we have other art, uh, other authors who either have full-time jobs um, and they aren't able to take control of their social media on a day-to-day basis. So they hire us to do that. And I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. If they are able to afford to have someone, you know, do their social media for them and they just either, you know, don't have time or what have you. Yeah. You know, we're more than happy to help with that. But I do think that just to be aware of what your what your audience is saying and what they're responding to is very important for an author because if it so happens that you know they aren't able to hire us any longer and they were to have to take over their own social media um, interactions it would take them a little while to you know get that flow going and to get that reestablished but um, I don't necessarily think that one is better than the other, as long as there's a consistency and that there is um, that that communication and that engagement and that it's being done correctly. And there's, a, willing, I, there's a willingness for the author to commit to the long term or at least um, for six months or so and not say after two or three weeks, you know, yes, what's happening exactly. here, demonstrate results. Exactly. And I mean, I come from a publicity background and so... Knowing that most people, when they think of marketing, they give them a like a three to four month um, window of opportunity where, you know, you better get results in those three to four months. And that's not necessarily the case anymore. It takes because you're talking about relationships and you're talking about connecting with people and not marketing at them. It's really going to take more like five, six, seven months, you know, to, to even start to see something that, you know, and sometimes it does happen sooner. And sometimes it does um, catch on right away. But I always tell people, specifically authors who are seeking advice from us to start even before they're ready, before you even, you know, type those first few words to, um, to really, you need to get your, your audience built and established as soon as possible. I noticed that you also mentioned that you use the services Instagram and Pinterest. Um, is that are those services that are, are are popular and worthwhile to look at um, for authors, or do you find that the majority of traction and followers come from the big social media services such as Twitter and Facebook? 
so Instagram and, and Pinterest. I think that both of these outlets are fantastic and um, underutilized, really. But it's uh, like all social media, one, the way you approach one outlet is not the same as you would approach another. So knowing how they work, um, who is on on these outlets, who, um, what's the, what's the, uh, demographics that they, that they're most popular with. Like for example, um, Instagram is very popular, um, with a younger demographic, like 16, you know, 17 on into, you know, 30, I think it is, Mm. um, that that's kind of like the, the younger age range that gravitates towards Instagram. Um, and it makes sense because it's it's visual. We're all you know very visually stimulated, and if there's a a great image that portrays either a message or shares what you know we it, it makes a connection, you know that's that's fantastic. And you know just with um, Instagram, the biggest holdup with that is that within the actual post, you aren't able to link um, like a YouTube link or a link to your blog within that post. That's a holdup that that I see with Instagram that I would love to see changed because, you know, I we have a, a client who has an Instagram following of 135,000 people. Wow. And, um, you know, just we, we've been very daily um, sharing something that connects with his audience are inspirational quotes and other quotes that he says throughout his book. And uh, we create images and and then we create a post that goes underneath it and um, hashtags that correspond with that post. And um, we, you know, we because his audience is so huge, you know, they definitely, definitely connect with that. And so I think that if you have, if you decide to use Instagram, you need to have a plan in place on where your images are going to come from. Are you going to create them? Are you going to... Um, take pictures, you know, around, um, your house or your, um, of your kids, or, you know, are you going to make it more personable? Um, are you going to make it more, uh, topic focused? Like if for some of our authors, um, you know, showing pictures of their writing space or showing pictures of book, you know, like different bookshelves or libraries or, you know, things like that, you really need to have a plan in place. And the same goes with, with Pinterest. Um, Pinterest is, phenomenal for especially for um for women because you know there are men on on pinterest but it's a much it's it's a it's an outlet that many women are on but um you need to create a visual on pinterest that is not only visually stimulating but that um that attracts and and talks about what you want to promote. Um, and those are the images that you create. And the images that you repost and repin um, don't necessarily always need to go with what you're promoting because you're about making a connection with people. And um, I think that that's a problem that many, specifically in, you know, as we talk about authors that that they face, you know, I go to some of their Pinterest boards and on, they only have um, posts about their book or they only have posts that relate to um, their characters or, or something like that. And they don't have things that people can connect with or identify with. Like the, the biggest draw to Pinterest are, you know, the, the cooking, you know, the, the recipes and the, um, it's a lifestyle mm. publication. And so you need to, it's not 
um, if you don't have a lifestyle um, connection with with you know the audience on Pinterest, then I would say don't don't take part. You know, it's 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 something that a lot of people think that they need to be on every single social media outlet, and that's that's certainly not true. If especially if um, if your audience isn't there, if you don't have an idea or a plan in place regarding how you're going to connect with those people on Pinterest, you'll just kind of be talking to dead air. Um, but I think that uh, that int- Instagram and Pinterest are both incredibly powerful outlets that um, people kind of either don't use correctly or they they don't really tap into the full power of it because you know, you do need to maintain a daily presence there. And you definitely need to be engaging with your audience, not just posting things that only pertain to what you're promoting, you know, going in and repinning things and, and responding to other pins saying, Oh, that's, you know, that's a beautiful landscape, you know, there, that's a beautiful picture, or you know, just engaging with people. It's not just about talking at and I also noticed that um, you've moved from recommending WordPress to um, recommending Squarespace as a CMS for clients. Now, is that because Squarespace is particularly good at um, interlinking with different social um, accounts, um, such as Pinterest, or other other reasons why you'd actually recommend that um, CMS instead of WordPress now? Yeah, my husband, who is my partner with our our company, um, he was the one who first brought uh, the Squarespace platform to my attention. Um, he's much more of the he he calls himself you know he's a tech nerd you know <laughs> come through and through. We had had quite a few problems with WordPress with our own personal site and with other sites that we had developed um, with. Um, hacks and with um, just things not working properly, being very limited in regards to some things that we wanted to do. And it was very clunky and it was very, it was very difficult to use, especially like what we would do is we would build the site and then hand it off to someone, you know, an author who would try to do updates. And it, it was just, it was not user friendly. And when we discovered Squarespace, just seeing how elegant and seamless it was and how well it integrated with, um, like what you said, with the the social media outlets. And um, also their customer service is phenomenal. That was another huge selling point for us because if you run into a problem or, um, uh, you know, you, you get hung up on something, you have... Squarespace there that you will get an actual person, you know, to to talk to mm. about this, and they have a lot of documentation on um, certain things that you know if if you have this problem, you know, do this or try this or you know what have you. But it's just been so much more user friendly, and um, we have had I mean, nothing is perfect by any means, but we've had so few problems with the Squarespace platform, as opposed to the WordPress platform. Um, in, you know, I think we've been using it for about two years now. And it's been, it's been great. That's really interesting. And it's, it's, it's important to have another option out there as well, because I've used WordPress um, fairly happily for the last seven years or so. Um, and um, 
I can't imagine myself going elsewhere, but um, it's good to have that alternative because you just never know how a piece of open source software is going to evolve. And I suppose for that um, little payment every month, it's, it's not a lot. It starts at $8 a month, I see. Um, mm-hmm. So essentially it's the same as um, basic WordPress hosting anyway. So And the thing, like we, um, my husband wrote a, a piece in our blog on why we switched from from WordPress to Squarespace. And that's been one of our most popular blog posts, actually, because a lot of people, um, we've had quite a few people um, call and ask, you know, about you know, what's the difference between Squarespace and, and WordPress. And he's much more technically minded than I am. And so he could probably answer this much more eloquently than I could. But, um, you know, in just writing that blog post, um, we've, there have been a lot of people, a lot of those questions on you know, the issues that they've seen on WordPress um, aren't an issue on, on Squarespace. So it's it's something where they um, say, oh, that's that answers my question. I'm switching to, Word, to, to Squarespace. Or many of them are very happy with WordPress and they stick with it and that's great. You know, whatever works best for them and um, they have to be comfortable using whatever platform they, they decide to use. Well, the second part of our discussion focuses on your thoughts on where digital marketing is today. Um, So actually starting off um, with the question. Software I couldn't live without. uh, Hopefully without picking either WordPress or Squarespace if possible. (laughs) What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact the success of your business? I am a huge Buffer fan. Um, Uh. Buffer, as I I used... um, Hootsuite for a while and that to me was very um I liked and it it fulfilled the my need but I wanted something a tad bit more streamlined and easier to use and buffer has been it's it's a lifesaver for us you know and just um managing the posts managing um the consistency and also just with how it works with other outlets um they're, they have key or they have some other um, other companies that work with them or that that uh, work seamlessly with them so that like Feedly, for example, um, if I find an article that I think speaks to my audience, I can just with a click of a button, I can sync that with my with my buffer account and it goes right into my buffer feed. And so um, that that's been um, a huge lifesaver for us. And then, Another one um, is Evernote. I have so much in my Evernote that if that went away, I think we would be in trouble. Um, that that's another huge, huge resource that that we use. And then Dropbox. That that's that is a big one. Um, we have so many. Um, we have clients and just other you know people that are need to give us images, huge images or, or videos or or documents and I think that if if we had to go without Dropbox we would be we would be in trouble for sure. So I think those are three three big ones that that we use on a on a daily basis. It's so incredible um how many essential software services have developed just over the last few years. Because I remember getting started in online marketing probably in about two thousand and five or so and um really hardly anything was available and if you wanted to do it you had to do it manually yourself or hopefully manage to 
get someone else to do it on your behalf. But um, it was like the Wild West back then, completely different to nowadays. Yes. Oh, I know. <laughs> Even just last year, you know, when you think of things that have come up and and improvements, it's like, how did we do this with that? And, you know, like even our iPhones, like I remember when we had um, Blackberries and um, my husband kept saying, oh, you need, we need to get iPhones. And when we finally did, I have no clue how we could work without without our iPhone and even just the new improvements that they keep coming up with every day. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> well, hopefully by the time this interview is published, um, probably the latter part of September 2014, I will be sitting with an iPhone 6 in my hand. That would be very oh. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my husband is counting the days. Like he's, <laughs> yep, right there with you. Um, so you mentioned Buffer App, um, <laughs> BufferApp.com. Um, is that something that can be used by itself without Hootsuite at all? Because I was under the impression that BufferApp was more, more of a scheduling tool. Can you actually go in there and interact with posts within Buffer as well? No, you can't. That is kind of a, um, a holdup that some people see with Buffer. Um, I, I, you know, just with the whole social media management system that, that Hootsuite offers, um, that you know a lot of people like the all-in-one tool where they can see all the the posts and respond right there um i personally like to go in into the um like if i'm making a post if if someone comments on a post in facebook um personally i like to go into the actual page and um tag people and and just uh I, I like to do it on the actual on the actual in that actual feed um but that's just my personal um preference uh and just because i like to also look around at what's going on on the page otherwise like if there are other um likes on you know pictures or you know it's just kind of i like to go and scan the whole the whole page rather than just seeing a news feed or or messages in in hootsuite Right, okay. Um, of course, using a, a social media dashboard doesn't necessarily give you the whole look and feel that you'd get um, right. going in there, yeah. I wish I would have. I would like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Oh, hands down. I wish we would have gotten more on board with uh, newsletters, uh, email, email marketing. Um, that is probably the biggest thing that I kick myself over for not starting sooner. Um, we focused so much on, um, on building a, a connection on social media and looking at those numbers it, back in the early days, you know, it was just, everything was numbers, 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 and how many people do you have following you? And, um, <clears throat> even though of course you want to have as many people on you know, following your, your brand or, um, your, your Facebook or, or Twitter feed and, and all those, all those outlets, um, it, it, the number itself doesn't speak. It's the, it's the engagement and it's the interaction. And, um, one thing that, you know, taking those social media connections, what do you do with them? What, what, you know, what's the next step? And, um, the thing that we didn't do early on is really drive people, back to the website to um, sign up for our newsletter. And um, and in doing that too for our clients, that I wish we would have done that much earlier on because 
um, the the email connection, you know, it just if if Facebook or Twitter or any of those outlets went away um, tomorrow, we would who would we who would we talk to? You know, it's 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 not the um, end all be all of of um, online marketing and really the the connection and the personal. Um, connection that you can get on through email marketing is is very powerful, and so I really, really wish that we would have done that much, much earlier on than what we did. Absolutely, own your customer. Um, exactly. Um, I, I remember um, first training people on on SEO back in about two thousand seven or so, and using the phrase "make hay while the sun shines" with um, Google and SEO. It's easy to get your page ranked up there at the moment, but don't just get the traffic in there. Do something with it. Grab the customer, and if Google suddenly decide to not rank you highly anymore, then at least you've got that base that you can still market to. Absolutely, yeah. No, we we're we're huge huge supporters of of the email marketing marketing platforms for sure great okay well let's move on to the this or that round so this is the quick response round 10 quick questions try not to think about the answer too much i'm just looking for your gut reaction ready to go okay (laughs) Okay. yes email or twitter email audio or video video affiliates or display advertising affiliates facebook or google plus Google Plus. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? Websites. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. (laughs) And local marketing or global marketing? Global. <laughs> so let's move on the to ten thousand dollar question. If I was to give you ten thousand dollars and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single digital marketing activity, what would you spend it on, and how would you measure success? Wow, um, that's a fantastic question. Ten thousand dollars. I don't think I've ever had that kind of budget before. <laughs> um, let's see. I think within what we do. Um, I would, wow, what would I do with $10,000? You'd run away and go on holiday. Yeah, there you go. That's the way to do it. Um, I think I would invest in some, uh, strategic Facebook ads. Um, I would also do some, do Google ads as well. I would, um, invest in placement in a, uh, a resource called Noise Trade. Um, they do music and uh, book marketing. Um, it's a it's it's a fantastic resource you should you should really check it out but I would invest in um, in uh, ads with that. I would use it as um, to create, find some great, uh, prizes to, to use as giveaway material, um, on social media outlets. And then also for the, the newsletter. It's funny. Cause I'm always having to work with people who have such little budget. <laughs> you, you just ramp with... up what you're already doing really. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Cause, um, and probably, um, using that also to, um, create a blog tour of sorts where we can give away prizes and um 
and other uh, resources to help build up uh, blogger uh, blogger connections and blogger relationships uh, for book reviews and feature opportunities on on blogs and online magazines. So, yeah, we it, it's it's funny because so many people want to do things for free, and so they mm. they kind of shy away from anything paid. So. Um, yeah, I think I would mainly focus on social media ads and then just giveaway materials as well. My number one takeaway. Well, John, you, Jen, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? I think the biggest thing um, that a lot of people and a lot of businesses are are making specifically within using social media for their business is not viewing social media as marketing. Social media was not created for marketing. It was created for relationships. And so when we take our traditional marketing practices and put them into um, social media, it's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. It's not, um, that's not the best way to connect with people. And that's why people are on social media. They, They can connect and they can interact and they can um, give their direct thoughts and reviews of things and, um, their, their likes and their dislikes of whatever you're, you're selling or, or promoting or what have you. And so, um, kind of taking that marketing veil down and really seeing social media as a connection with actual people is, is a huge, huge thing that will not only make social, social media not as intimidating, but it will also make it much more more fruitful within their target audience. Great advice. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. Thank you so much for your time, your focus, and your willingness to give back. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Uh, they can go to mixtusmedia.com, M-I-X-T-U-S media.com. And they can follow us there and subscribe to our newsletter and uh, follow our blog as well. And we're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Google+. Wonderful. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today on Digital Marketing Radio. Remember, you can get every interview before it's published as a podcast, delivered as a weekly digital magazine, automatically to your tablet or smartphone. And that's for Apple or Android. Just go to digitalmarketingradio.com for links to where you can subscribe and join the rest of the Digital Marketing Radio posse. Catch you again soon. Digital.